I would like to see every single obsolete um, bully centralized institution open the path to nicer, more democratic, decentralized institutions. Welcome everyone to POV Crypto. I'm David Hoffman here with my buddy Christian. Christian, how you doing? Doing good, man. We got a friend up here in Seattle. Usually they're here in San Francisco. Yeah, no, I, I brought one of my buddies around. I'm here with Alvaro. Alvaro, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you. Um, so I'm Alvaro Jimenez, uh, founder of Gaudium Capital. And uh, I've known David and Christian for a while. Um, I consider both of them maximalists. <laughs> Christian, when it comes to Bitcoin, and David, when it comes to Ethereum. Hang on, Alvaro, don't skip over your own introduction here. <laughs> we need to find out a little bit more about yourself here before we get into that. And tell us about yourself, what, what you're doing. Real quick, real quick. So Alvaro alluded a little bit here. This episode is going to be on maximalism. Specifically, uh, Alvaro is going to be confronting our supposed maximalism. But Alvaro, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Uh, I know you've been involved in this space in several layers. Yeah, thank you. Um, so yeah, I mean, I had a past in private equity, then I moved to tech with Microsoft, and then I moved uh, you know, with Neo Alchemy, which is where I met David. And after that, you know, we sort of have like a, like a spin-off, and we started Gaudium Capital. And at Guardian Capital, we do three things. The first one is angel investing. Um, and we focus into cybersecurity, blockchain, and AI. The second thing that we do is advisory services for startups. We help them, you know, move way faster, way quicker, and open doors that it would take them either a long time to open by themselves or sometimes not even open them. Um, we help them in business development, we help them in investor relations, um, and so on and so forth. Um, and we also are involved with, um, you know, what I, I prefer to call digital securities. Um, so we can be the trusted partner in this complicated journey of issuing digital securities from conception to execution to post-maintenance once it's launched. And Alvaro and I kind of share a similar industry here with uh, digital securities. And I have I have a lot of respect for, for any company that can come into the space and try to bring clarity to a bunch of uh, just a bunch of mess, honestly, because there's so much regulation issues like Reg A, Reg S, Reg D, uh, 506C, et cetera, et cetera. And for anyone that can come into the space and spearhead it, I have a, have a lot of respect for it. So any company that can add some value into the space about digital securities uh, is doing a big favor for the industry as a whole. So Alvaro, thank you for, for starting up a business in the space and kind of spearheading that effort. I thank you guys for having me here today. Um, and yeah, I forgot to say the last thing that we do is, is blockchain consulting, mm -hmm. which is probably why they brought me here today because... Uh, you know, within the, the within the blockchain ecosystem, I think the world is way bigger than Bitcoin and Ethereum. <laughs> <laughs> is it though? Is it really? All right. So Alvaro, tell us. Uh, 
So for, for those who don't know, uh, which is going to be most of you, uh, Christian and I and a number of other people are inside of a group chat that we call Crypt Chat. It's kind of how this podcast really actually got started. Uh, there's about 10, 15, 20 of us in there, and we all just kind of, we kind of shoot the shit, just talk a, talk a little bit about everything here. Uh, and you, uh, Christian would be the resident Bitcoiner, and I would be the resident Ethereum. So Alvaro, kind of tell us, because you know about my and Christian's perceptions about the space. So tell us your biggest qualms and queries about our ideas that you are familiar with. Well, so first of all, I want to I wanna say, you know, not just to you, but also, of course, to the audience that I love Bitcoin and I love Ethereum. So if I go a little bit against them today, it's not that I dislike them. Mm-hmm. I like them a lot. I just think that the, the, there's a much broader spectrum other than just considering those two coins. Um, also, we probably should have the disclaimer, even if it's boring, of Anything that we're going to say here is not considered investment advice or legal advice of any sort. Everyone should do their own due diligence and so on and so forth. Absolutely. You guys were idiots. Don't don't take this as investment advice. All right. Now continue with the conversation. So where do we start? I mean, in my point, in, in my point of view, you know, for what I know about Christian and David, Christian is a Bitcoin maximalist and he thinks that everything else is not worth it. <laughs> And David is obsessed with Ethereum, which I think is great. But in my personal opinion, it's a technology that is going to face a lot of competition and some of the competition might win. Why do you think that? I would say that, you know, special, let's start with Bitcoin. Um, since, since you throw the question, Christian. <laughs> I think that Bitcoin is, is a fantastic proof of concept. And I will emphasize the part of proof of concept. I'm it, on board so far. It was extremely beautiful. Um, it works great for what it was designed to do, mm-hmm. which is a very limited scope of things. Yep. And consequently, you know, it's limited in its own nature. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. That's why I think that, you know, there's room for significant improvement. And we'll get into that in a second. Um, when it comes to Ethereum. <laughs> yeah, now shit on Ethereum. <laughs> I think it's another extremely beautiful proof of concept that introduced, you know, the the smart contracts and programmability and so on and so forth. But again, in its own nature, it's pretty limited. Um, So I think that it has problems for the long run, which has been encountering all along. And uh, we are also going to dig a little bit deeper into that, hopefully today. Um, but that's my two cents on Bitcoin and Ethereum. I think they're great. I think they, they perfectly do what they were intending to do. However, there's quite a lot of room for improvement. So would you say that you think that Bitcoin is kind of like a big test net for digital money or digital value and, and Ethereum is this big test net for digital smart contracts and digital token transfers and stuff like that? I mean, I think it's a, it's a, I think I would leave it at proof of concepts. Right. They were they were supposed to do something. They do it very well, but they're limited in its nature. So, so what do you think is going to happen? And is there any project that you feel particularly bullish on? Yes, there are. But before we jump into that, I would like to hear, you know, since since both of you are maximalists, why is it Bitcoin better than Ethereum or why is it Ethereum better than Bitcoin? And also, you know, why is there the need for Bitcoin if we have Ethereum already? 
Well, that's well. That's just a whole entire episode in of itself. Um, I would say that I actually don't think that Bitcoin and, and Ethereum compete too much. Uh, I like to pull Andreas Antonopoulos's quotes in here uh, when he says that you know Bitcoin is a lion and Ethereum is a shark, and they are apex predators inside of their own domains, but they don't actually really uh, bleed over into their own domain. Um, this might actually end up converging in the very distant future where uh, the, the, the Bitcoiner idea that money is a zero-sum game and money is kind of the win-all uh, goal of all cryptocurrencies may be true. Uh, and I think that, you know, the, the apex versus the apex predator shark versus lion might that metaphor might be good for like the short and medium term. But in the long term, maybe that's just actually a precursor to the big fight between these two giants. Um, and the reason why I think Ethereum is going to win that debate is because of simply the consensus between between the consensus mechanism and its ability to manufacture demand in of itself. I think that will be the two biggest things that that win out uh, simply because, you know, with with Bitcoin, uh, if you buy a Bitcoin, you are buying a product produced by a decentralized network. And with a proof of stake Ethereum type coin, you are buying the right to participate as an employee or a shareholder of a network. And then additionally, the power of smart contracts allow you to manufacture demand uh, of Ether inside of the Ethereum ecosystem. Whereas Bitcoin's demand comes from outside of its network, Ethereum's demand can come from outside and inside of its network. And the inside part will allow itself to, to bootstrap itself into existence better than Bitcoin can. Okay. That's, I mean, he, he outlaid the arguments pretty well. What do you think, Christian? I mean, those are interesting arguments. I feel like in this space, especially in the Bitcoin versus Ethereum thing, people like kind of talk past themselves a lot. So generally what I've found is the reason people are bullish on Bitcoin is often the opposite reasons why people are bullish on Ethereum. So there's nothing really to convince. We just have different predictions of how different aspects are going to play out in the real world in the real world so there's no reason to say that what david said is not true what i'm gonna say is that with my world view i believe that bitcoin is essentially some sort of digital immutable measuring stick that we can all reference and with that measuring stick as long as it is the most secure network in the world and is the hardest money in the world, it will eventually become a major, major, major aspect in the world economy. So I think as an investment, it makes absolutely the most sense to put a small amount of your capital into Bitcoin because of the asymmetric upside to downside risk. Um, Ethereum, I think, is way, way, way more experimental, although has shown some promise. Uh, it cannot compete with Bitcoin because it will never be as hard of a money as Bitcoin is. Is that a pro or a con? I don't know. Um, we'll see. Also, Ethereum is selling proof of stake, which doesn't exist yet. So just know that you're investing in a future of a promise, whereas with Bitcoin, you're investing in the most secure network in the world with a limited hard supply, which exists right now. So that's my argument. Fair enough. As an Ethereum person, I would like to say that that actually, nothing that Christian just said makes me really shake my head or disagree too much. Okay. 
Well, then I'll start taking on Christian. <laughs> <laughs> All right, David is spared. <laughs> Look, I think I think uh, the Bitcoin dominance, which by the way has been declining significantly, um, it's due to well, it can be simplified to one fact, which is the number, which is the number of fiat on ramps, which is its main advantage, right? But this will quickly become irrelevant the moment that a lot of stable coins are used in commerce and they start having those fiat on-ramps as well. So I believe that the Bitcoin advantage is soon to be, you know, in all honesty, irrelevant. Um, aside from that, it's facing a lot of challenges such as, you know, the governance is off-chain and we all have seen how that has worked out for Bitcoin, you know, how many forks have we had already? Five plus? How many Bitcoins are there already? Ten plus? Well, I think somebody would like to interject and say that. Diamond, blue, red, yellow. <laughs> Shall we create another one where we talk? Bitcoin Pokemon? Yeah. Um, also, but, but, but no, let's, let's con- there, there are infinite Bitcoins. I don't, this is, that, that's just, that's the, I'm sorry, the, the, the fork thing is, is completely silly. It's open source code. Anyone can fork it and run it on their computer, and you can call that another fork, but that doesn't mean anything. You well, could argue that there's only one fork that actually mattered, and even still, that was the demise of Bitmain, which really strengthened the Bitcoin argument, in my opinion. Well, we, can also, we could also uh, take the argument from the other side and think that you know all of these forks have undermined the main net that you would call the real one. Hmm. And they have also, taken a share. Of, they have taken a share of them. Uh, they have taken their own share with them, such as Bitcoin Cash, right? I mean, I'm on. I'm on Alvaro's side here. Sometimes people have to leave. Ethereum were a bunch of Bitcoin people that left, and then plus a bunch of new people. But you know, like I again, like I feel like you're not pointing out anything that I'm pointing out that you guys, you know, oh, have a governance problem. And that needs to be addressed somehow. Um, you know, currently the off-chain governance, it doesn't seem to be working pretty well, in my honest opinion. Uh, but we can move on from that point and also say, look, it has no capacity for, you know, smart contracts or any sort of programmability. Um, also, it's extremely inefficient when it comes to the use of electricity and it needs excessive computational power. Yeah, so let me summarize this for you guys. Um, I think that the Bitcoin dominance, which by the way, again, is declining, um, it's due to the amount of fiat on ramps that currently has, which is something that is going to be fading um, as soon as all of these stable coins that have emerged. You, start, th you think the, the start... fiat on ramps are going to benefit things that aren't Bitcoin more? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think Bitcoin is holding the dominance even if it's declining because of that. Because, because it has a monopoly is, on it? Yes, yeah, currently the coin with most fiat on-ramps. But that is not going to be the case the moment that all of these stable coins are used for commerce, hmm. which Bitcoin stands way less of a chance of being used for commerce versus stable coins. Agree, big time. Agree, in the short term. Yeah, so, so then what is, you know, it begs the question of, what is Bitcoin going to be used for 
once we have all of these stable coins and other coins that are superior for commerce and for all of the other purposes. Um, but but hold on, I was I was giving a summary. So the uh, the the other issue is the off-chain governance, which has resulted in a lot of forks that have undermined the main one. The scalability of Bitcoin. It has no capacity for smart contracts or programmability, and it's extremely inefficient and slow, and w and it has a huge use of electricity and too much computational power. Okay, so what happens if Lightning Network succeeds to a large degree? How does that change your argument? Well, it doesn't, right? Well, in a, in a world where a Lightning Network is maximally it, successful. It only addresses the problem of scalability. Mm -hmm. Christian, can you do smart contracts on top of Lightning? I mean, yeah, you can do a lot of things on top of Lightning. Lightning is much more easily programmable as well, so more similar to like the accessibility as solidity would be, whereas Bitcoin scripts is very limited and difficult to use. Um, the only way that I would address a lot of the things that you pointed out, I would either say that they're not actually a problem or that I don't think that some of them are true. So uh, the ones that I don't think are true... First and foremost, the market cap measurement is probably one of the biggest vanity me uh, measurements in the entire space. Coinmarketcap.com, if that's the one that you are referencing, uh, what is their criteria for adding new market cap? Because I feel like time and time again, we've seen that after you get out of the top 10, like you really cannot trust you know, 90% of these quote-unquote market caps, right? So you can inflate the other not bitcoin market cap infinitely it's very easy to inflate that side right so it's just like a really terrible measure yes you know if you can figure out a good market cap measurement you will also see i agree that bitcoin is losing dominance to some degree but you know if we're talking degree, about pareto distribution you know you're talking about one to two one to three currencies that have any sort of real liquidity in the cryptocurrency space. And if you are going to make an investment in bet, I feel like, again, Bitcoin is definitely the safest on that front. Uh, so you're right in that if you go to coinmarketcap.com and look at and sort by uh, market cap, like you don't really get an accurate depiction because it doesn't take into account liquidity and the depth of the market and everything. But at the end of the day, it still doesn't matter because the, the trend is still true. Like it's tr always been true that, that Bitcoin has been losing market share from day one. And like you can say it's been losing, you know, 50% of its market share or 30% of its market share or, or whatever. So but I have like a question, The, the trend David. is always true. Huh, go for it. Is Ethereum not also losing market cap? Like if it was Ethereum versus the world, I'm pretty sure it also no. is losing market cap. No, Ethereum has been gaining market cap because Ethereum has been gaining market cap for the past three years. As of last year, everyone was losing market cap except for NEO. And now NEO is definitely down as well. If you go to coin market cap and you do anything versus alts, they're all losing market cap. It's, okay, it's so, really so you're so what happens if you take out the, off the bottom fifty percent of alts? Like, let's talk about that because I feel like we we're we're always we're all here interested in a market where the bottom fifty percent of of all coins doesn't really exist. Look, the the long tail for the most part, you can you just cannot measure the the market cap on it. But let's just move on to some of the other points. Some of the other points, you know, you can't scale it. There's most no smart contracts. Look, the definition of a smart contract cannot even be agreed upon. 
okay? Bitcoin has very limited smart contracting because they want to limit the attack surface. They want it to be very simple. But at the same time, Bitcoin has native multisig, whereas Ethereum is still, you know, finding difficult ways to do multisig easily. Yes, there are some solutions emerging now, but it's still you know, has been an area of hiccups. So, like, it just depends, like, what is actually important to do on the base layer. A lot of people in Bitcoin would say, we want Bitcoin's base layer to be very, very, very dependable and be very limited, and then other things can be abstracted away on different layers. So, yes, some of the things that you said are true. They don't matter. That's actually the bullish case for Bitcoin in my mind. Fair enough. I think, you know, I think we could continue with Bitcoin, but I also want to take on Ethereum. <laughs> I would like to say that that uh, the fact that Bitcoin doesn't have smart contracting on its base layer has has basically removed developer interest from developing on top of Bitcoin. And so like maybe that's a, uh, a, a benefit for Bitcoin security and its value as a monetary policy. But as a, an interest for developers to come onto it, uh, it's basically absent because, like, what the fuck is Rootstock, anyways? Yeah, I, I don't think Rootstock is what you should be paying attention to. It seems like Lightning is more promising on that front in terms of attracting developers. But, like, look, in terms of who has the most base layer protocol developers, it's definitely Bitcoin. And they're all working on the same project and they're all very committed to it, right? Where is you have funding issues and different sort of like teams and projects and different funding situations on the ETH 2.0 side and who's working on ETH 1.0. Like it's not like all these developers are working on different things with Bitcoin, at least on the core level. But yeah, let's let's stop rambling on Bitcoin. We'll probably cut out half of this stuff and, and we'll and we'll get to talking about ETH. I think um, Alvaro also wants to point out against maximalism in general. So that might be an easier argument than just attacking the two top coins. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'll go, I will get to other coins in a second, but, you know, in short, if your only predicament is to be a store of value, that's not going to hold the moment that you have several other coins that have never, you know, been hacked either, and they can do, you know, a thousand times more things, right? You're going to have something, you're going to have, you know, coin A, aka Bitcoin, that can only do one thing, which is store of value. And you're going to have coin B, whatever it is, that can have store of value plus these other hundred things. Which one are you going to buy? Which one are you going to use? I would always get coin B. So Alvaro, how much value do you put into the immaculate conception value proposition that Bitcoin has? For now, it's the, the one that holds the most fiat on ramps and is the most liquid. Period. No, I mean like so. So Bitcoin is this is this platform that was created by this anonymous inventor that disappeared into the void and let the network start to run on its own, and it's kind of one of these value propositions that, I, to my belief, has really only is really only possible for it to be replicated once because, as soon as you make a big a network that's as valuable as Bitcoin is, and you also know how to do it. Like it taints it because it, you can't really spin up Bitcoin twice. It's like once or one and done. Do you see any value in that? Because you always yeah. you, you seem to emphasize a lot of tech, um, but not really to about how it, it the genesis of Bitcoin was created. Well, I I think that Satoshi gave us this great gift to humanity of proving that we don't need necessarily to rely on a central authority 
for us to have use of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that, he created a beautiful, beautiful proof of concept. With that said, that doesn't mean that we cannot improve on that and that we can do something better now that we know the way. So you're saying you're saying that whatever technological improvements that we are able to figure out, that that's actually going the value from those improvements is actually going to override the immaculate conception part of Bitcoin. I think it very perfectly yeah. could. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, think about it. Like you were using MySpace, we were all using MySpace, but when something better came out, that did what MySpace did plus a hundred other things, we all moved from day to night. Do you see any apples to oranges? I kind of see a little bit of apples to oranges with that. Like, I could go both ways. You know, I already kind of stated my disagreements with some of uh, those general reasonings. I, I think that Bitcoin is more like the metric system than MySpace. Okay? So, I just don't think that's accurate. But, again, let's let's move it on to ETH, because I'm sure you have plenty of thoughts about that. <laughs> Ethereum keeps getting the break. <laughs> hey, I've addressed I've addressed and defended Bitcoin many times. Excellent. Well, let's move to ETH. You know, I will start with a, with a metaphor that I think it applies not only to ETH, but also to Bitcoin, right? When you look at the Cuban cars, the Cuban cars are very beautiful and they're very nice and their fundamentals are very, very solid. But there's just so much in, a, in you know, in the ways that you can improve them it gets to a point that it's not possible to improve them more. And the reason why is because the motherboard, sort of speak, it's limited. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the exact same case with Ethereum and with Bitcoin, but we're going to focus on Ethereum. So let's take a case, for instance, with the big competitor that is coming out hopefully this year, which is Definity, right? If Definity comes out and is the faster, better, cheaper version of Ethereum and it's 100% backwards compatible. Why would I use Ethereum anymore? Okay, so so being backwards compatible is one thing, um, but you can't like take the MakerDAO system and just port it over to Definity because MakerDAO has state on top of Ethereum. Uh, and so... Uh, a lot of things depend on people's beliefs inside the MakerDAO system, which includes the value of the asset held in the collateral in the CDPs, and then as well as um, the value of the MKR token. And so, like, sure, we can just take all the data that's inside of MakerDAO and put it onto Definity, but because that changes, because the base protocol changes the way people value the tokens, it changes the whole MakerDAO system. So you can't just port it over because it, it because people don't believe in in the Definity version of MakerDAO. Um, and so that, that's one thing why you can't just like take, take A and put it onto B and expect A to work. Uh, the other reason why like I don't think backwards compatibility or, or anything like that is really all that beneficial is because developers are, are working on top of Ethereum uh, and then until I see a mass exodus of developers from Ethereum to another smart contracting platform, like we didn't see with EOS and like how I won't, I don't think we will see with Definity, uh, I won't be convinced. 
uh, in Amin Soleimani uh, paper on uh, the state of Ethereum 2.0, he went around to all the various ETH 2.0 teams and asked them about uh, what would it take for you to stop working on Ethereum 2.0. And he said that the most frequent uh, response that he got was that I'm going to work, the, the team, I'm going to work on Ethereum 2.0 until I'm dead. Like I won't stop working on it until I'm dead. Um, granted, people's opinions can change, but that seems like to me as an investor in Ethereum and the network itself, like a pretty good answer. I feel good about that. Yeah, I have my doubts about that. Okay. Because the example that you just narrated, which is Ethereum 2.0, mm. is the, exam the example of the Cuban car. You know, you're trying to fix or improve upon something mm -hmm. that the first layer is limited. Well, so like in Ethereum 2.0, the first layer is totally gone. It is a brand new blockchain. Yeah, that it's freaking crazy. They're trying to port onto a new it's blockchain. It's like going inside out. Like there, there's this outside blockchain and then everything ports onto this blockchain that's on the inside of it. And then all of a sudden in the future, the inside becomes the outside. It's fucking crazy. Okay. Well, you know, I, I like to speak to the things that I know and, and that I, I admit, I don't know. It, yeah. So the, much, so but, uh, what is the current main chain of, in, in Ethereum may just be like become a small side chain on Ethereum 2.0 and has nothing to do with the actual base layer infrastructure. So let me ask you this then is, is it going to continue to have off chain governance? Is it going to continue mm. to have serialized contract execution? Is it going to continue no. to have, um, you know, the two poor coding languages that it currently has? No. No? no. So the, all of that is changing. Thing, yes, yes to off-chain governance. Um, no to... Uh, serialized contract execution. Yeah, because sharding, I guess it's serialized. But sharding allows things to happen in parallel. Um, there is still composability issues. So like a bunch of stuff happening in parallel, we need to figure theoretically. out how to those things. It's all theoretical. Yeah, exactly. Theoretical. We will, I think that's a good point, Christian, because we will see if any of that materializes, mm, right? Fair. Yeah, but, 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 but Definity if, hasn't even launched yet. But we'll we see have. if Definity will materialize, dude. <laughs> <laughs> we will see that, but let's say it does, right? Mm -hmm. And, and they, you know, they're pretty well funded. Uh-huh. And they show up tomorrow with something that is faster, better, cheaper, 100% mm -hmm. backwards compatible. It has on-chain governance. It's not, well, let's not pretend that off-chain governance is, or on-chain governance is immediately a good thing. It's just an alternative. I, well, How's we can EOS have a doing? whole debate about that. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, doesn't um, ES check all those boxes? They're very well-funded, on-chain governance. Yeah. Well, I mean, EOS is aren't doing there aren't there block producers five. offline right now because the price isn't high enough? Yeah, that's true. That is true. Yeah. Well, I guess anyways. they have a lot of volume though. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you have free transactions. That's another one. Free transactions are essential. We we've got those basically on Ethereum, and they're very important. Disagree. Tragedy of the commons. You need to value the service. Security isn't free. Well, okay, ba base layer transactions on Ethereum will never be free. But if you want to pass dollars around from person to person, you can you can do it for point zero 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 one pennies. Sorry, Alvaro, We're, we don't mean to hi keep hijacking your shit, but keep going. No, that's fine. <laughs> um, but look, even if it's not Definity, Ethereum is going to be facing some serious competition 
in the near term, let alone in the long term, right? It's not only going to be Definity, it's going to be Hedera Hashgraph is coming up, mm -hmm. uh, Nervous, which is the Chinese version improved of Ethereum, is also coming up. Um, so I'm just saying the ecosystem for Ethereum is going to be facing way more and more competition. And, and highly likely, it's better tech out of the box. So what's interesting to me is that uh, I do agree that there is going to be competition coming to Ethereum, but it's actually not from any of the projects that you just named. Uh, the one competitor that I do have qualms about is Polkadot, uh, and that's uh, created by Gavin Wood, who is an early Ethereum co-founder. He co-founded Ethereum with Vitalik. Uh, and Polkadot is kind of like a Cosmos platform, right? Where it's a bunch of blockchain inter interoperability and it's kind of got this like one main chain and then a bunch of side chains, kind of like sharding. Um, and so, so I take your point in that there are other blockchains that are creating t good solid tech that will be good for the field. Um, but to me, it's always the moat of Ethereum's developers and community because you can't fork communities and the Ethereum developers seemed pretty convinced to stay on top of Ethereum. Uh, so, and, and for me, until those, until I see fractures growing in those things, I'm I I just don't see because you need momentum. Blockchains need momentum, right? And so, like everything, all the projects, including Polkadot, just are a bunch of bunch of hype right now. Uh, and so, until I see them gaining momentum, like to me, it's just like. Hedera Hashgraph, I haven't heard of Hedera Hashgraph doing anything in the last three months. Like, it, it seems to have gotten caught by the, by the bear market like everybody else. No, they're very well funded and they're doing hackathons. Really? I mean, I don't pay attention, so I could be naive. Yeah. Anyways, it's just to say that the, the space is getting saturated with competition. Mm -hmm. And at any given point in time, both for Bitcoin as well as for Ethereum, something better, like a Facebook, can come up and overnight take over all of the market share of MySpace. Yeah. Is it so I've always been perplexed by the the is is Facebook to Apple or Ethereum to some Ethereum competitor apples to oranges or is that is that something that we should actually be worried about? And I, I've always kind of wondered that like when you throw in the concept of money into these things and value, that kind of changes things. Because it's it costs nothing for a MySpace user to spin up a Facebook account and then they get to have both because like there's two networks and you know there's there's no stable resistance and like having one doesn't really prevent having the other but that's not true with blockchain systems because if you have a bunch of bitcoin but you believe in ethereum you have to put your money where your mouth is and likewise if you if you have a bunch of ether but you believe in dfinity or polka dot or cosmos or, or eos or whatever you have to take your coins a, coins a and put them into coin b with, and put your skin in the game and i think that that is actually the biggest uh, biggest blocker for a bunch of new projects to come about because you know, everyone thinks that they look good in pay on paper, but as soon as people are asked to put their skin in the game, they're like, ah, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait until it's like number five on Coin Market Cap, then I'll believe in it." That's especially true with institutions as well, right? So if you're looking at the inst institutionalization, like Bitcoin already has features. We're talking about Bitcoin ETFs. The next thing that's gonna happen is gonna be an Ethereum product, right? 
unfortunately, maybe the third thing is going to be Bitcoin Cash. But when is Definity going to be on that level, right? And then liquidity begets liquidity. You know, you get every time a specific coin passes a hurdle, financially, you know, it becomes 10 times more attractive. And then because of that, it becomes 10 times more attractive, you know, over time, right? So that that just becomes this massive snowballing effect, especially when it comes to something that's trying to be a money, right? Um, maybe you're right, but it just I think that's a perspective of how you think the world is going to work. I don't think the best tech is going to necessarily mean something is going to win or necessarily the best hard-coded tech is what means something that's going to win. Maybe it's like the Lindy effect. Maybe it's a lot of other features that emerge over time that give something its true advantage. Um, I'm actually curious. I want to learn a little bit more about how you actually verify or, I guess, uh, evaluate these cryptocurrencies because it seems like we evaluate these cryptocurrencies very differently. Yeah, to me, instead of having like a five-year horizon, I have more like a 10-year horizon. And I like to think about it as regular companies, right? So if a regular company is facing a ton of competition and that competition in some cases is better funded, in some cases has way better tech, or in some cases their starting point is farther along, I would be worried about entering into that company for the long term. For the short term, for sure, they're going to preserve their, you know, their market share, their first mover advantage and so on and so forth. Uh, but that's not going to be the case in the long run. That's how I think about it. Personally, I think that the mental model of thinking of them as companies or startups is the complete wrong mental model. And why is that? I mean, some of these ICOs resemble startups, but... Outside of that, I don't really think Ethereum resembles a startup at all. Um, I definitely don't think Bitcoin resembles a startup. Maybe Definity. I mean, I guess Definity resembles a startup, but that to me makes it very unattractive. Um, so, I mean, in a protocol race, maybe it can be spearheaded by a company, but most likely that uh, centralization, especially to that level, is uh, very, un like, it's a bad feature. It's like a bug in my opinion. So evaluating it and thinking that they are companies and then, you know, liking things that resemble good companies um, might lead you down the wrong path, in my opinion. Yeah, I would actually agree on, on Christian on that one, because we're, what cryptocurrency is all about is about decentralized networks. And the more that these things resemble startups, like maybe they get the benefit of good tech uh, out of the, the fact that they look like a, a, a savvy startup, but they look much less about a decentralized network of you know open source developers coming to build uh, on a communal good uh, and I think that's really the power of the ethereum developers that I see is uh, ethereum's big moat and and Bitcoin's utter maximal decentralization that I don't see really any startup ever being really able to to compete in so now that you mentioned developers in my view and when working with developers is, they're going to move to whatever platform is best for them and allows them to create the coolest stuff. The moment there's another platform that allows them to do the exact same things faster, better, and cheaper, they're going to move. Maybe like Ethereum 2.0? 
maybe like Ethereum 2.0. <laughs> I even but, have my serious but, doubts of people moving from ETH 1.0 to 2.0. I don't think it's easy to move. Like what David said about skin in the game, I think is even like it's such a powerful factor that I I personally doubt that people are, are going to move from ETH 1.0 to 2.0 just because of the existing Lindy effect. So unless it's forced to be moved, you know, I think that that's going to be a struggle moved. in itself. Yeah, so right now we uh, the Ethereum community delayed the Constantinople update, and so the Ice Age started to kick in because there was an Ice Age planned. And what an Ice Age is is a gradual slowing of block times enough to like freeze the blockchain. And if you want the ice uh, the Ice Age Ice Age to go away, you either have to ice uh, I you either have to hard fork the Ice Age out of the code, or you have to hard fork in an update, which is the point of the Ice Age. Uh, so that does a few things. Uh, the Ice Age incentivizes miners to go on to the new chain because eventually the old chain will die uh, because of the freezing of the chain. Uh, so it, it forces consensus onto one blockchain. Uh, and then it also incentivizes developers to fix their shit and to get their updates up and running. Uh, and so it's a, it's a progress incentivizer. And then it also is a mechanism that... Um, actually, I'm going to back up. Everyone building on uh, Ethereum 1X right now understands that Ethereum 2 will be a proof-of-stake system that they will need to port over. That has been the contract of building on top of Ethereum since day one. So it is not a surprise that Ethereum 2 is coming over. Uh, everyone building on Ethereum 1 understands that it's it's their duty to build a Ethereum 2 compatible version of whatever they've built and put it over there. Uh, and then they also have to do that because as soon as... Ethereum 2 is safe and secure for everyone to move over. There's going to be another ice age, another chain uh, nuke to at, that will be at some certain date where, you know, any time where the Ethereum 1x blockchain will be, you know, nuked and everyone has to move over. Mm -hmm. uh, this is actually hypothetical. This is up for debate, but this is conversa conversation that's happening in the Ethereum development side of things right now. I think people are going to do what's easiest, and if there is enough economic value on ETH 1.0 and ETH 2.0 <coughs> continues to stall, then I feel like you have no idea what the interest will be at that point. And like you said, there's always the option to just hard fork the uh, ice bomb or difficulty bomb out and continue with state, right? Whereas ETH 2.0 requires... Not you like they're not even forking the state over. They're like expecting a transition into a new ecosystem, um, which is kind of like you know putting everyone on a ship, crossing over the um, Atlantic Ocean, and then colonizing. Like it's completely different than just taking what's existing and continuing that. I would like you know my personal opinion. I, I would like to mix a little bit of everything that you both have said. Um, so first of all, to clarify my position, you know, if if it's Ethereum 2.0, the one that it ends up winning, I would be extremely happy. You know, like I said before, I love Ethereum and I love Bitcoin. I'm just a realist and I'm agnostic. And I see that there's a lot of competition and a lot of other very, very good projects that in some cases are better funded. In some cases, it's easier to code for them. In some cases, they have better tech and whatnot, you know, there's there's many different factors and I'm just reluctant to think that, you know, the first movers are going to retain their first mover advantage. 
um, especially considering that competition is every time better and better and every time more and more. Um, with that said, you know, it, it could be, it could be very well that, you know, it's Ethereum 2.0, the one that ends up being the, the platform of choice, or it could be what Christian said, you know, maybe it never gets delivered or maybe it gets delivered, but there's no transition. Who knows? I guess we're, we're here to see what happens. Um, but from my personal standpoint, whether it's Ethereum 2.0 or it's another one, the winner is going to be the one that becomes that solution that is faster, better, and cheaper, and does more things. Will you ever be a maximalist? Because it sounds like you believe that there, there will be a one. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I, I, I think there will be way more than one. But I think when it comes to be, you know, you know, the top one, um, I don't think it's going to be Bitcoin or ETH if things continue at the path that they're going. Do you think it's going to be some blockchain that we know of today? Um, I don't know. It, it could very well be a totally new one. Um, yeah. Okay. Does, does Ethereum have oracles in their, in their roadmap? What do you mean? Like, there are oracles on Ethereum right now doing different services. Like which ones? Uh, well, the MakerDAO system has oracles for its price feeds. Uh, there's okay. the, the Chainlink project that is like kind of commoditizing oracles. So you can put up a, a bounty for an oracle, oracle and then and then the Chainlink token acts as like a stake for never lying. Okay, I guess the oracles that I'm referring to is being able to connect to weather databases and Chainlink. St stock markets. Chainlink. And... Yep. So, so yes. Well, it, it uh, currently can be done on Ethereum? Uh, you can there the bare bones infrastructure is available for it. Uh, it's one of those one of those things where like a lot of other thing like it probably wouldn't be like stock market price oracles wouldn't be the first thing that gets built. Maybe a few other things. Um, I did see at ETH Denver uh, an on chain, extremely low cost, uh, high uh, speed oracle service for the for the price feeds. It was like pretty revolutionary for anyone to come onto some contract, some central contract on Ethereum and to get the price feeds of various on-chain decentralized exchanges. So it can't be hacked. Um, okay. So for, for the Ether US dollar price feeds, yes, there are super strong oracles. That's pretty well set in stone. Okay, but what you mentioned are second layer solutions, right? No, the one I saw at ETH Denver was a, a, a layer one. Okay, interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I think... I, th I think oracles are going to be essential for the development of, I agree. of this technology. I agree. Absolutely. That's why I was asking. Where, where, where's your skin in the game? My skin in the game? Yeah. Where are you putting your money right now? Um, I'm going to reserve that. I don't think it's, it's appropriate to say here, especially having said if that you, this if is If you not had $10,000 to put and you had to buy crypto right now with this fake $10,000, what cryptos would you buy? Okay, just a quick reminder. <laughs> this is not investment advice of any sort. Everyone should do their own due diligence. Yada, yada. Um, look, I, I would probably put it in Bitcoin, uh, Ethereum, um, Definity, whenever it comes out. No, you got to do something that's now. Yeah, it's got to be right now. Um, you, you can trade it for later, though. Well, if it's something that is only purely trading as mm -hmm. of now... The others would be EOS, 
um, as well as IOTA. Why would you buy EOS instead of Amazon? No, we were talking pure cryptocurrencies, right? Okay, I'm expanding the reach. You can also buy stocks. Okay, no, but the separate question. <laughs> if you can buy EOS and Amazon, would you buy EOS instead of Amazon? Um, I'm referring to AWS specifically. Because the EOS is just 21 AWSs that are shittier. Well, you know, I think we're running out of time, but I, 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 did, I totally disagree with that statement. Um, I think EOS is way more than that, and it's proving itself in many different ways. Um, and some of the apps that we're going to see on EOS are going to be way more powerful than any app that we've ever seen on Ethereum. Like what? Like game games on mobile phones. Okay. Oh, okay, that's fair. I don't see any... And that's just a quick example. Yeah. Another, another thing is developers can easily code on EOS because they, they can use their libraries, mm -hmm. they can use everything that they've ever had. They they don't need to learn a brand new language. They what do you just... think has more infrastructure, EOS or ETH? I don't know because that's not my, my area of expertise. Uh, but what I can tell you is that... Uh, it's easier to code on EOS than it's easier to code on ETH. And it's easier to take ideas or projects that you currently have on any other, you know, traditional uh, platform um, in any traditional language and put them into EOS than putting the same idea into ETH. I feel like that was like the OG EOS marketing material, but I don't know how well that's like actually come about. I don't know. I actually don't know because I don't, I'm not a developer and mm -hmm. I'm not asking developers these questions. Uh, but I do know one of the big victories out of 2019 was the Ethereum developer tools, tools that was part, mostly created by Consensus as well as others like uh, people in the MetaMask space like Dan Finley. Uh, like again, I, I'm not familiar with this, but I, I, I do know that the Ethereum community was applauding itself as, uh, you know, for how far it went in creating developer tools. Um, maybe they needed to make developer tools because of the restrictive uh, language that Solidity is. But um, as of today, and I'll keep this very short, as of today, you cannot develop a game like Fortnite on, e on, on Ethereum, but you can develop a game like Fortnite on EOS. Why do you even want to do that? Yeah, what parts? But what parts of Fortnite? It's just to give an example of how powerful of an application. Like you, the whole entire game. It's just just to give an example of how powerful of an application you can develop on one platform versus the other one. Yeah, but yeah. like, who gives a fuck if Fortnite is decentralized or not? You might not, but some other people might because they want to own their items, they want to trade their yeah, items. Yeah, okay, but so but you so can do the items on top of Ethereum and not the whole entire game, and that's just fine. I feel like this is one of those things that's like, what needs a blockchain, right? And I think that very few things need a blockchain and they just, what you really want is you want to reference the blockchain and be able to utilize the blockchain in many applications. But do you really want to have Fortnite on the blockchain or on like EOS servers? Like you have to make sure that this economic system works, like despite this, the fact that they have servers. That's, that's what every other limited blockchain said, right? that the economy has to work well we can't build it before there's demand for it no what i look i was giving a very simple example of <laughs> in one you can construct something extremely complex and extremely okay. powerful sure in the other one you cannot sure fair 
However, I do think that if we wanted to build some like massive multiplayer online game on EOS, I actually don't think it would work that well, but that's just my gut feeling. I don't actually know that. I feel like this kind of evolved into Alvaro <laughs> against Christian and David, so I'm sorry we had to... I feel like that's exactly what we knew we were getting into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry we, we hit you with that, but I think this makes for some good content. We definitely... <laughs> Um, had to have a different kind of debate than we mm-hmm. usually do on the show. If you guys want to pick up on Ayora, I'm I'm happy to do that too. But you know, it's it's gonna be a real, very big contender to both of your favorite coins. Yeah, I would actually love for Iota to enter the game, but until they take out the coordinator, uh, it's just not worth talking about because there's still all the trust. But I do believe in it. I do think that Iota could do some pretty cool stuff. The coordinator is getting removed on the second half of this year. So okay. that will no longer be an argument. As a mm-hmm. matter of fact, uh, if you go to the, the Tangle blog, you can see an article comprised of five different parts that perfectly explains how the coordinator is going to be removed. How does block times work in IOTA? Um, it depends. It is is actually quite a complex mm-hmm. answer because... Uh, the way that it works in Ayora is when you do your transaction, mm-hmm. you validate the two prior. Right. So like, there's no actual, there's no serial processing. So like, how do you? It it is well. Again, I don't think we have time to explain this, but mm-hmm. um, it is also very well explained as well in the Tangle blog okay. in an article that it's called, um, I believe it's called something like overview on how the Tangle works. Okay. Or something like that. So Google it, basically, David. Uh, no, I would recommend to go to the Tangle blog because uh, I'm not shilling it or any means. Mm-hmm. It's, I have tried to find this information by myself mm. many times. And over there is where you have like very nice crystal clear guidelines that are illustrated and can explain something as complex as the Tangle with, you know, in a way that it is digestible for non-technical people. Fair. Cool. All right. I feel like this is a pretty good time to uh, to end the show. This is a fantastic episode. I'm excited to uh, <laughs> to get it out there and have a real debate. I think this was the first real debate we had on the show that wasn't like pretty civil. <laughs> yeah, this was the first debate where David and Christian get checked. <laughs> and I want to say one more thing. Uh, you know, i I want to see I want to see one of them winning, right? I don't care if it's Bitcoin, I don't care if it's Ethereum, I don't care if it's Definity. I just want to see, you know, this beautiful concept expanded and being used worldwide. Um, I don't care which one is the winner, if there's multiple winners or what it is. I just want to see this happening. The only point of view that I have tried to illustrate in this podcast called Point of View Mm -hmm. is the fact that there is more than two contenders. Alvaro, so including all centralized entities, banks, you know, companies, et cetera, et cetera, who would you like to see fail in the next like 10, 20 years? I probably shouldn't say this. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you a backwards looking statement. I wanted to see Sears uh-huh. failing. Okay. And Sears declare bankruptcy. Okay. Yeah, I sure did Sears big time. Nice. You want to see that pattern continue? I would like to see every single obsolete, um, bully, centralized institution open the path to nicer, 
more democratic, decentralized institutions. Admirable. I think we can all, all agree on that one. That's not to say that there's some centralized institutions that are very nice as well. So I, I just said the ones that are not. I would like to see them opening their way to better things. Have you read The Sovereign Individual? I have not, no. You guys should both get it. Uh, I think it was written in like the mid-90s, but he like talks about what all of this kind of plays out to look like. It's a very interesting perspective. We'll Excellent. add that to the POV crypto reading list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we should do one of those. <laughs> Excellent. All right, Alvaro, if uh, people want to find out more about you or your company, Gaudium, where can they, uh, where should they look? Yeah, well, hopefully, guys, you can you can put a link to the website somewhere. Um, but it's gaudiumcapital.com. And, you know, there's a contact form over there. So, you know, anyone is, is very welcome to, to shoot an email. And if there's anything that we can do to help, we'll try some. Wonderful. Christian, where can they find you? Yeah, I am all over Twitter at CK underscore Snarks. You can find the podcast at POV Crypto Pod. David? You can find me at Trustless State. I broke a thousand followers today. Thank you, Christian, for getting me on Twitter. Thank you, Anthony, for pushing me past a thousand. I love everyone. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. Uh, it was a pleasure being in this podcast. I very much uh, appreciate and enjoy what you guys do. And yeah, I mean, it's bringing awareness to the world. Of this is the next technological frontier. And like I said, we're all in it together to make it happen, whether it's one protocol or the other. Well, Alvaro, happy to have you on. Thanks for coming on the show. Appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Night. Night. All right, we're done.